Bay Niner family. It's your boy Peter Lucas, and this is the Niner Fanatic Podcast. Today I got with me, I'm so excited to have him on today, uh, the Jesse Naylor. And Jesse, I like I can't I can't say enough how happy I'm have I am to have you on today. Like, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they uh where they can find you everywhere? I know we've all seen you before, but why don't you tell them where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter. My handle's right there below me. Uh, you can find my articles for all 49ers Sports Illustrated from time to time. But mainly, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Last Second Sports. That is where I'll do content multiple times a week. And I'm very excited to come on, man. We were just talking backstage, and I was telling you how you put together a good track of content and this is where content creators separate themselves a little bit this is the slow part of the season and i think for you to be able to come up with a good topic list for us to run through tonight um, shows your skill set there and you know it's it's just it's that time of year where things are slow but i think it's also that time of year where you can be unique and bring a a cool perspective and i'm ready to get it going man yeah, for sure. And yeah, I really appreciate the compliment. And and like you said, it is really kind of the slow time of year. We were a week and a half away from the draft, all the anticipation, all the the story, off-season storylines, all the the talking heads saying all the stuff that doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> like and now we're trying to just find what's real and what's fake. So uh why don't we go right into the the first topic and Trey being the I think uh, Jeremy Jeremy Fowler uh, came out and said Trey has been given the assurances that he's going to be the starter regardless of what they do with Jimmy. Is this a shock to you, or is this just a slow news cycle story like we were talking about earlier? Yeah, well, it's it's funny because he came out and said that, but today Ian Rapport came out and said that he believes not only is there a chance that Jimmy's on the roster, but Jimmy's still the starter. So you've got conflicting reports for sure, but – the Fowler one makes more sense. And this is to me that that's not a surprise because going back to the comments that Kyle Shanahan had at the team meetings that they did, you know, just a few weeks ago, to me, I, I left that very, very confident that Trey Lance was going to be the guy. Yeah. The things that he said, talking about how they were working on trading Jimmy, that Jimmy, you know, had the injury. He's stuck around. They're still trying to figure that out. But Trey Lance will eventually be the starter, and that'll be sooner than later. To me, I I really left that saying, all right, well, we know what Kyle Shanahan is trying to do here. He wants to start Trey Lance. They're trying to get rid of Jimmy. I don't think there's any surprises about it. And the first thing he said, I wish I had the quote still, but the first thing he said basically solidified it. You know, He did go on to talk about, some of the other situations and how eventually he'll become the starter and all these other things. But he, when he was asked the question, he said something along the lines of, yes, that's the plan is for him to start. Mm -hmm. And then he went on like a two paragraph diatribe of everything else. But the first thing out of his mouth was yes, Trey Lance is set to be the starter. And so to me that slammed the door shut on things at the very least. I think if Jimmy G is there, Kyle Shanahan is willing to finally have a true competition. And I think that true competition will play in, in Trey's favor pretty significantly if people are being honest with themselves. Yeah, and I feel, just like you were saying, I mean, last season, I think that Trey, if he was given an honest, if it was an honest competition, I think Trey would have would have beat him out. I think that he showed enough flashes to where it was going to make the offense dynamic. And I know... I know a bunch of uh, my buddies and, uh, and a lot of the content creators and a lot of the people on Twitter and a lot of the people, every all the 49er fans are just, they can't, we can't wait. We just cannot wait to have a dynamic quarterback and somebody that we can really kind of open up Shani's playbook, the, the magical playbook that we've, we've all been just kind of waiting to see what kind of things that he can pull out of his bag. And I just don't think that there's any doubt that, that uh, Jimmy's going to be gone as soon as they can find a place, a, a trading partner, or whether that be the trading partner or whether it be that they release him. I, I think that that's also a possibility uh, because I just don't think that they're going to do trade like that. I think that it's it would be a mistake to keep him on the roster going into training camp. Uh, the only, unless they came out and just said that literally 
we're just looking for a trading partner, which I don't think they would do anyway. Um, but I don't know how you felt about about like them. Maybe just do you think that they would release them for any reason? I, I mean, I I hope that they do. Like one of the things that we talked about last offseason and why they should have released them was you you want to get rid of the problem before it becomes a problem, right? Yeah. You want to eliminate any confusion on who the guy is. So to me, if they had let Jimmy go the last offseason, much like the Patriots did with Cam Newton, that was the right play. Yeah. Because what you get from that is you solidify to your your rookie that you just traded for that he's the guy, he's going to be the future no matter what, and you save that $25 million or so and get to roll it over to next season, which basically you get to double up on. So the way I look at it this offseason, once he's healthy, and, and this is what I would hope that the 49ers are smart enough to do this. Yeah. But at the same time, they've really blundered this whole situation back to 2017. So I don't know for sure. But I would say that if they are smart, even if they can't trade them, that as soon as he can pass a physical, they cut him. And because you have an opportunity to do two things with that, Peter, you can either roll it over and turn that 25 into 50 next year, just like you could have this year, or Everybody keeps talking about going all in and what that looks like. Well, when people talk about all in, they assume that that's during this time, during the offseason, going out and getting free agents. But reality is you can go all in up until the trade deadline. And much like the 49ers did in 2019, they went and got a wide receiver near the trade deadline and Sanders that helped kind of put them over the top and got them to a Super Bowl. Now, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they certainly went all in after a hot start. The 49ers can do the exact same thing as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is not on this roster because they will have that money to where they can use it to do a lopsided trade. They can use it if somebody hits the waiver wire. They can be the one to pick them up because they have enough money to fit them under the cap. Whatever it is that that looks like, they still have an opportunity to go all in you know, air quotes all in yeah, and they can do it at a later date. But if Jimmy's on this roster eating up $25 million, they really cannot go all in unless they pull something like the Rams did where they overpay for a player so that that other team has to eat the full salary. And that's, that's not a situation you want to be in for a backup quarterback. I know 49er fans have this feeling, Oh, well, we need a good backup because our starters always injured. Trey was injured last year. Even I have never seen a fan base get so behind having a great backup quarterback in my entire life. Most teams don't have that. It's okay to go all in, play with Trey, figure it out from there, and then you know use that money from Jimmy to, to do whatever you can as you approach the trade deadline. So hopefully they are smart enough to do that if that's the only opportunity available to them. Yeah, and I, I, lo- I love what you say about rolling over the money. But also, I think what people don't don't realize with that Ram team, everybody talks about how they went all in. Really, if you look at it, they didn't make the the, the moves that put them over the top didn't happen until the season started. And yeah. and also, the 49ers always pick up. They always find these guys like right either right before training camp or during training camp, right before the season starts. Um, but they got they have a. I just think that their coaching staff is so underrated. Because they tend to just bring guys off the street, guys that have been castaways at other at other places, and they turn them into ro- bona fide role players on, on the team. And it's I think that they're just tremendously underrated for doing that. And I know that everybody, all the 49er fans, want to hear those big splash names. But when you're getting production, what does it matter? At the and the way I look at it, it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's a big name or not. It doesn't matter that it was Kerry Hyder, uh, but he got eight and a half sacks when he was with us. So do you care who, what the name is if he's getting eight and a half sacks? I know I don't like, uh, and it's, I, I just think that that's a, uh, that that's a really underrated uh, aspect that a lot of fans aren't really looking at. And it's, it, it's kind of disappointing sometimes just because, you know, people get upset and we, I think we saw some of the, the bad press that the 49er fans got during the, the Debo Samuel IG story. I think that was his IG story, but, uh, but uh, yeah, like uh, just it, it, sometimes it just, it's not all of us. It's just, it's just some of them, but why don't we move on to that Debo's the Steve speaking of Debo, the Debo status update. And 
after that video that he put out, I mean, how do you think he's feeling about this contract negotiation? And do you think like a deal eventually gets done? Or, I mean, if, if they do end up trading him, what do you think? What do you think that they get for him? Yeah, well, there's actually betting odds on this. Uh, right yeah, now, it's sitting at about 70% chance that Debo stays. I had it last week at an 80-20. I got eviscerated for even saying that, like, oh, it's he's staying. Don't worry about it. And I, I do. I genuinely think that he does stay. But it's the acting as if there's zero shot that this guy leaves is what blows my mind. There is clearly a dispute going on, right? And I look at the report came out today that McLaurin, Debo and AJ Brown are going to sit out the workout portions of these OTAs, right? So I assume Debo's going to show up. He Debo's a great teammate. Like whatever's going on right now, Debo is a great teammate. But what I found interesting, and and we'll see. I, I don't know what the details are because I think that their OTA started today or their workouts yeah. were today with Seattle, but DK Metcalf. Because DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and Debo Samuel are all represented by the same firm. So I was surprised that DK would work out and the other two wouldn't. So I don't know if that's an athlete preference. I don't know if that means DK is closer to a deal, which, by the way, would be really bad for the 49ers. The more guys that get paid, the worse this gets. So, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. I do think that Debo does stay. Luckily, we're going to know in about 10 days time because second round comes and goes. And if Debo's still on this roster, he's not getting traded, right? The likelihood that he gets traded during this time period is extremely high. And once that second round comes and goes, unless there's players that they're trading for, he's most likely staying. So we're going to know the answer to this saga very, very soon. If Debo does get traded, I mean, I'm trying to put a realistic price on it. Based off of what we saw Tyreek Hill go for or what was offered for Tyreek Hill from the Jets, 35, 38, and 69, the Chiefs said yes to that. Tyreek Hill ended up choosing Miami. I think that's about what you're looking at for Debo. So if I'm playing GM, I don't know for me if that's enough to move the needle, but if I don't have another choice, uh, I'm looking at that. I'm going to try to get a player kicked in maybe. If it's with the Jets, I'm looking at maybe trying to get Becton kicked in and I can throw in 61 or something along those lines. But that's about what you're looking at for Debo Samuel. And and I know a lot of fans are like, oh, I, you know, two first rounders. Like, well, listen, yeah, not a quarterback. Good. Like, that's what quarterbacks <laughs> go for. Elite quarterbacks, by the way. This man's not a quarterback. He's a, a very, very good player, arguably the best overall football player in the league. But at the end of the day, it comes at a position that's not a premium position and a, and a position that is much easier to be replaced than a, a premier pass rusher or premier left tackle or premier quarterback. And that's just the facts of it. So, you know, I, I think this whole thing does ultimately get resolved. And one of the things that was very encouraging to me is he'd posted a picture. I forget what it said, but he'd recently posted a picture with Trey Lance. I thought that was great to see. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and so that tells me that Debo n- definitely wants to be here for sure, but he wants to get paid and he deserves to get paid. Yeah. And I mean, just like any other player. And I think that we, we as fans get caught up a lot in, in how, how the league works and the salary cap. And we almost treat these players like, like the team, like we think that we're uh, we actually have a say over what the te- what the team is going to do, and right. and it, it just really, I think what gets lost is we we should want to see these players get paid. They're putting their bodies on the line. They're I mean, sure. what are they what are they going to do? Some of them don't uh, don't really get a chance to do a lot after the after the league. The average the average uh, career span is three point three years. So. I mean, really, realistically speaking, like they, they can get jobs doing other things. But I mean, who's I mean, to make an imprint on the NFL, it's it means everything, I think, to these guys. And like uh, and I just think that we need to be sympathetic or at least empathetic to what they're what the, how they're feeling about the whole thing. But as far as as far as what Debo thing, I think that Debo is going to sign. I think that we look at all the the Kittle deal, the Warner deal, the the Trent, even the Trent deal, 
it all comes at the last second with the 49ers. And I think that they're going to negotiate all the way up until the last second, because that's just what they do. And I know that they, that we have Parag uh, trying to crunch the numbers and try to make everything as friendly as team friendly as possible and still get these guys paid. And I think that that honestly, I think that the structuring and the way that they structure the deals, I think that goes into the culture of the 49ers and the reason why a lot of these players want to stick with the 49ers. I think that it's a whole encompassing culture and uh, from, from Lynch all the way down Shanahan, all the, all the positional coaches. I think that everybody just likes being there. And I think that you can see that Jimmy said that he, Jimmy Ward said that he took less money. The Raiders offered him a whole bunch of money and he took less money to be with the 49ers and their culture. So I just I just look at it as I think that Debo will definitely re-sign in my in my mind. I shouldn't say definitely, but in my mind, I think that you can't let that guy go. He is a he is a the the fate the poster boy for your culture and what you want to do on that field, especially on offense and bringing in bringing him in, letting him go right before Trey Lance is about to start. I don't just don't think that puts Trey Lance in a really good spot. Uh, so, but. I, well, I want to I want to touch on what you just said, though, because I think it's extremely important. And I've made reference to this over the last couple of weeks on shows. But if the 49ers were a college program, in my opinion, Debo's the guy that they're sending to welcome the new oh, recruits sure. and set the tone. Right. For sure. It's Debo. It's Kittle. Those types of guys. And so you talked about him being the culture or a trendsetter for the culture. Yes, he's exactly what the 49ers want. He's a physical player who goes out there, gives it his all, no matter what the team asks from him to do. And he leaves everything on the field. All this Instagram stuff and you know, people calling him a diva, and now he's injured, all that, all these things. It's crazy how people forget week 16 against the Titans when this guy is, I mean, out of gas on the field, doing everything he can, or against the Packers where he's limping off the field or against the Rams to end the season where he's crying and gets consoled by OBJ. This is the guy that put his body on the line, game in, game out, play in, play out, never once complained, never asked for the ball more than once, never once said, I'm not going to run it up the middle or do what I got to do. This is a guy that gave it his all and all of a sudden he's a diva i have a hard time hearing that stuff and it's very frustrating because i know that whether debo's on this team or another team i know the brand of football that he brings to the table and that's not going to change once he gets paid in fact he might be even more reckless because now he knows that he's secure that could be a good thing or a bad thing depending on how you look at it but for me Debo is the consummate pro. He's exactly what you want on the team. So, you know, I, it is frustrating to hear those things. I want to address this real quick. A uh, few people in the chat. What's up? I mean, not your average sports kid, Niner sickness. Uh, let me address the black eye. Yeah, I had eye surgery. This is why I was wearing glasses for the last two weeks um, because I had gnarly black eyes after having surgery. Luckily, my right one is basically healed and my left one's still a little bit bruised, but the swelling's mostly gone. And so, uh, I didn't want to wear the ridiculous glasses anymore. I'm just being real with you. So, yeah, the, it's yeah. No, I I I think I remember seeing a post uh, by you saying kind of addressing that. Like, uh, yeah, I didn't think you got in a fight or anything. No, I'm too old to be <laughs> fighting people. Yeah, like I think we're all right there. But yeah, hey, thank you guys all for commenting. And honestly, I was looking at at the screen. I didn't even see <laughs> all you guys in here. But thank you guys for watching. And I know you're here for Jesse, but like, uh, I still appreciate it. Well, subscribe <laughs> so, while you're here for, for sure. And like, uh, and touching on and making another point as to what you talked about Debo. I, I just, it was so inspiring watching him against the Packers. And I know you touched on the Packers game, but the Packers game, especially because he was, I mean, terrible conditions, everybody's freezing and he is obviously in pain and just exhausted and he keeps just limping out there, takes another, takes another one. And really, I mean, if he doesn't give us some kind of offense, we have none. We have none because Jimmy wasn't giving us anything. So 
it was it was amazing to watch that gritty of a performance in in today's NFL because I don't think that we always get to see those gritty type of performances anymore in this NFL. I think everybody kind of thinks of this as kind of a, a softer league compared to what we were used to in the past, especially us older guys. Look, <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was inspiring to. And Debo's to a throwback for sure. For sure, and uh, but yeah, I think as far as compensation goes. If they, for whatever reason, hopefully this doesn't happen, but I just look at it as maybe, maybe a first. And I think maybe, and maybe a third, like, and then maybe a player, like you were talking about. I, I just, I don't know. I think with all the things that you were just talking about, how people were talking about, he's injury prone and putting all these little, these putting these little things in that really don't matter. But it's just them negotiating and trying to drive down the price. I think that they would take those things and saying, even to go as far as to say that Shanny is the reason why Debo is so good, just because he's scheming him open. I've heard that in the past too. Like uh, they would find that these other teams would find a way to drive down the price. Like, uh, but I don't. In that case, I don't think the 49ers would would trade him. In that, I think that they've already they've already uh, nixed a couple of. Of trade, they've already rejected a few trade offers that they got. I saw today, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think that for that Debo is going to be a 49er for a long time, like like Lynch said. But don't blink because the yeah. <laughs> because you never, you never know with these guys. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. But uh, the the next topic I want to talk about is. You know, what are the looking at the we were talking earlier about how the 49ers haven't made the splashy moves and everybody kind of is like looking for that that big move that to make and or that big player to sign. And but looking at this team currently constructed, what do you think the um, how do good do you think this team is currently constructed and what chances do you think that they have of winning a Super Bowl right now pre-draft? Yeah, I think they have a great chance. I mean, when I I look at the teams around the NFL, first of all, luckily for them, every team that's gone all in this offseason is in the AFC. So they really don't have to deal with them a couple games throughout the regular season, but until you get to the Super Bowl. So that's a good thing. They've got the Buccaneers, they've got the Packers, and they've got the Rams, the usual suspects. But when we look at the Packers, they've clearly gotten worse like there's no doubt about that when you look at the rams they've gotten worse yeah they added to bobby wagner um yes they added the the receiver from the bears but they also lost a hell of a receiver in woods they also lost their left tackle they also lost a starting corner and a starting safety they also lost a premier pass rusher in von miller so what they replaced those guys with it's not enough like they've gotten slightly worse. The 49ers, I believe, have gotten slightly better. And so that gap was already extremely narrow. So just looking at that, if the Rams have gotten worse, the 49ers have gotten better, it stands to, to reason that the Niners are a better team right now. And then the Niners have nine draft picks. And what they've got one, two, two in the top 100, one just outside the top 100. And you've got the Rams with zero picks in the top 100. So it stands to reason that the 49ers are going to improve even a little bit more over the Rams in this draft. And so, yes, I believe Tampa is probably the team to beat in the NFC. Tom Brady is still there. He went out and recruited like crazy. So I I think that the Buccaneers are are probably that team. The 49ers are are probably that number two team. And again, we talked about an all-in situation well, if Jimmy's not on this roster and the Niners make one more big move at the trade deadline or through waiver wire or what have you, I mean, I would say that the 49ers can pass Tampa Bay. So they're they're right there. They really are right there. And if Trey Lance can be 80% of what I think he's eventually going to be, I mean, they might be the best team in the NFC. They really might be. Yeah, and that's that's... You said it perfectly, and that's the way I've been looking at this the whole time. I know that, like I said earlier, that the fans get really worked up about not signing all these big, but I look at it, they didn't have to. They 
They were a couple of throws away from the Super Bowl this year. They were honestly a couple of throws away from winning a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So I just don't see why they would need to make a whole bunch of big moves. I think just tweaking, doing what they did, which was shoring up that special teams and and fixing those issues that they had. I think that this front office has learned every season that they've been here and kind of corrected a lot of the mistakes that they were making. They always seem to make new mistakes, but but uh, but that's at like a regardless. They're still going. They're still putting out a good product for the most part. Like number 2020, I don't think that anybody could have could have predicted all those injuries. But uh, for the most part, we've been in a Super Bowl uh, one out of three years, and we were in two NFC Championship games. So. I just look at the way that this roster is constructed, and I think if they re-sign Debo and then they re-sign Nick Bosa next year, I think that the core is so tight at this point that they could literally just put role players around this this team, and it would be and they're going to be set up for for the foreseeable future. And they're all young. They're I think they're still a very young team. I mean, except for Trent Williams, but even he's not he's not Andrew Whitworth old. And, uh, and like you were saying about the Rams, the Rams, I, I just, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed by what they did in the off season. Bobby Wagner is on the downward slope. Uh, like, uh, and then not to say he's a bad player. He's in, he's going to be, I think he's going to be a hall of famer, but, but at the same time, they, they don't have the toughness in Robert Woods and they don't have the explosiveness of an OBJ. I know they got Allen Robinson, but to me, he's not an explosive, an explosive guy. Like he's not going to be a needle mover for me. So I know that he's going to be a good possession guy for them. Like uh, while while they have uh, uh, Cooper Cup, yeah, Cooper Cup. Like uh, while they have Cooper Cup to go everywhere, where they put him everywhere, but. Um, but at the same time, I think that the 49ers showed that they can defend those guys. They just needed the offense to give them something. <laughs> the defense just needed something from the offense. And Jimmy going three and out in the NFC Championship game constantly was just not what, what was necessary. We needed uh, some sustained drives just to give the defense a breather. And I felt like – and they still held them to 20 points. So, I, like I said, a couple of throws away – from a Super Bowl last season, and I just, I, yeah, I just look at it as you were saying about Tampa Bay, and I think they can beat Tampa Bay. I think we're a bad matchup for Tampa Bay in in my mind. I think we're a bad matchup for a lot of teams uh, because nobody plays the style of football that the 49ers play. I know that there's teams that try, but there's nobody that that really has the mix that that uh, that we have on this team. And I'm I'm thoroughly excited about this next season. We just got to get through with no injuries, and that's and that's a tall order to ask. But but I mean that's I think that this front office, speaking on the front office one more time, is that they've made a concerted effort not to bring in guys that were injury prone, except for the next guy that we're going to talk about later. But um, I, yeah, I don't know how you feel about how this front office has done, uh, has kind of corrected a lot of the mistakes that they made. They've made new ones. Don't make no mistake, but I feel like they've been trying to learn as they go. And I don't know if you see it the same way that I do. Yeah. I mean, six years in, they, they clearly are in a good spot, right? They've built this roster pretty damn well. And one of the things that is important it, and I believe is, is depth. You look at some of the teams that won with these young quarterbacks, they all had a lot of depth. And once they started to fall, fall off is when that depth went away. And we see how injuries can just, decimate a team but the 49ers are deep almost everywhere right now and so that is important you know and, and the rams have been very lucky that a uh, donald or a ramsey or somebody like that hasn't gone down the 49ers have lost big name guys for extended periods of time and they've still been able to overcome it because they've had depth at some of those positions and so i just look at the 49ers and you know I, they've got you talk about fantasy football, right? And and there's a thing that's called stars and scrubs where you have a, a top heavy roster and then you fill it with a bunch of scrubs after that, right? And you usually hear that when it's in an auction league. The 49ers have stars, but they don't have a lot of scrubs either. They have stars, yeah. but then they have depth behind it. 
So I really do like what the 49ers have done. And, and again, we can take the other teams out of it. Let's just look at the end of last offseason. The 49ers have gotten better themselves. They're better on offense. They're better on defense. They're better on special teams. I don't think anybody would argue the defense defense or special teams aspect. People want to argue the offense and losing Lincoln Tomlinson, and I understand that. But you've upgraded your quarterback position. Jennings has now got a full another year under his belt along with Ayuk. I would imagine that those guys are better. You had two rookie running backs that are now acclimated to the NFL. I imagine that they will be better. So to me, I think that the 49ers have gotten better on all three phases. And what more can you ask for for a team that was knocking on the door of not only going, but I believe probably would have won the Super Bowl had they made it. So when I look at those things, yes, is it a little frustrating that Jimmy's on this roster? Of course it is. Like Jimmy shouldn't be here. But do they have time to rectify it? Yes, I am just concerned that maybe they won't take that route, and and we'll see. I mean, time will tell, but right now there's nothing we can do about it. But let's look at what they've done as a whole, and I think what they've done as a whole is they've built a, a very solid roster. Yeah, for sure, and that's and that's kind of what I'm getting at is that their their roster building their roster building is completely different than the Rams roster building, and I think a lot everybody looks at the Rams because they just won, like but. There was a lot of failure there before that, and I just look at, at at how they they do things. I like the way that the 49ers build the roster. I think that them having the depth, I think that they learned from from all those injuries that they had that they need depth. They're going to need depth, especially that the way that they play, that they want to play football. They're going to need depth because guys are going to get nicked up, and they want to bring they want to come at you in waves on the defensive line because they still want to rush for. And they just still want to just keep coming at you with with waves of bodies. And I think that it really worked. And I really think that it it kept their defensive line healthy for for majority of the season. And I think it kept their wide receiver unit healthy also because they had the Jawan Jennings and they had the Trent Sherfields, even though Sherfield didn't really get a bunch of run later on in the season. Um, having having Jawan Jennings there. I thought that he was a real difference maker down the stretch uh, that, of last season. And I really think that I really cannot wait for to see what he does this season. I think that he's going to make a real – people are going to know who his name is by the end of the season. And, uh, yeah, like and I, I really want – I'm just as excited to see Trey and what he does with this team, I think, is just as you are. Yeah, absolutely. And and it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I just think that Trey Lance is going to get better play in and play out, game in and game out, much like we saw last year. And and to me, like that's that's all we can ask for from this yeah. kid. And I think that as he does that, and not a lot of film being out there for him that once they enter the playoffs, that if they can be relatively healthy, they really can make a lot of noise in the playoffs because I also think that they may play a little bit of a conservative brand for a big portion of the season. Mm-hmm. You may see some spurts of major flashes, but once you get to the playoffs, you're going to start mixing in. I mean, I, I just try to envision. All right. So I've got Debo in the backfield. I've got Ray Ray coming on an end around and I've got Trey Lance and I can hand a Debo. I can give an end around or I can do the keeper. Like, how do you stop? those things when you've got also by the way the best left tackle to run behind with all three of those options if you want or Kittle helping out your right tackle it's just it's going to be too much for teams and, and I'm excited to see it for sure yeah for sure and I, I didn't want to address this this question that uh, Amin brought up was do you think the Niners should sign Tyran Matthew how do you feel about that like uh, I'm not I'm not sold on Tyron Tyran Matthew myself for the 49ers like, uh, but how do you feel about that? Uh... I love Tyron Matthew. He was the one player that I really wanted them to splurge on during this offseason. Everybody was talking about corner. Uh, a lot of them were talking about Gillylock. And I said, well, I, I would rather spend that kind of money on a safety that is younger, that can help Jimmy Ward and be a ball hawk. They can rotate through. Either one of them can play their position. Either one of them can guard a nickel or, or guard a slot receiver. To me, Tyron Matthew, I think, would be a, a huge get. And as this offseason's gone, I think his price has gone down even more. 
I would absolutely love to have Tyron Matthew. I also love the fire that he brings to a game. I know a lot of people see some of the bickering on the sideline, but when you look at Tyron Matthew and who he is, you don't have to look any further than him going to, I think it was LSU spring spring stuff this off season and the speech that he gave and, and the way he talked about family and life and football, you're getting a high character guy who wants to win. Sure. He can get fiery, but at the end of the day, it's all in the spirit of winning. And I don't think it's a bad thing to have a guy like that on your team. That's willing to hold people accountable, be vocal and hold themselves to a high standard. I would love to have Tyron Matthew, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I just don't see them bringing in a, a strong personality like that into this locker room uh, at that. Cause they're, I don't see it happening until probably just before training camp. If it was going to happen. I, so it's, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see that. Uh, I think that they're going to bring in a young guy. I think they're going to draft somebody and we'll talk about the draft later, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just, if they are going to bring a veteran back, I think that they end up bringing tart back. Uh, if 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 they do bring a veteran back, but um, but they did they did bring in a guy, uh, Kimoko Toure. I hope I didn't butcher his name too bad. Like uh, that they just they officially signed this week, and he's an edge player from the the Colts. And I think a lot of people saw it saw the signing on Twitter, and and nobody really knows who the guy is, but he he did have. I believe he had five and a half sacks last season and uh, with the Colts in limited duty, like kind of a situational pass rusher. Is he enough to make the team not look at edge in the draft? Or do you think that, uh, that they still look edge in the draft and that uh, they're still maybe just go best player available no matter what? Yeah, I wouldn't look at, I wouldn't look, I wouldn't put it past the 49ers to look at edge even as early as 61. I really wouldn't. I don't know if they're sold on Ebicom, who they basically can cut at any time and save upwards of like $6 million. So I still think that some of these guys may or may not make a team, right? And so when I look at it, I think that they still could go edge. I do like what Ture brings to the table. When you look at him, I think he only had like 162 pass rush snaps. He had like 30-something pressures. He had more pressures last year, believe it or not. Then he had more pressures and sacks actually than Von Miller, who had about 60 more pass rush snaps than he did. He had more pressures than Chandler Jones. Now, I'm not trying to say he's on the level of them, but knowing that he was able to bring that, he's much younger than those guys. He's a hell of a lot cheaper than those guys. And he's going to be paired with arguably the best defensive line coach in the league. I think that he could be a pretty damn good player, at the very least a rotational guy. And so when I look at it, last year they had Key and they had D Ford. Well, they've replaced them with Hyder and Ture. And I, I think that from a health standpoint, a youth standpoint, in one of the cases, I think ultimately they've gotten a little bit better and a little bit deeper. And so I, I do. I like the signing for sure. But I, I'm not certainly not going to say that they're not going to go edge because there's going to be some guys that I think fall to them that mm -hmm. they may just take a shot on for sure. Yeah, for sure. And like, uh, I think that it's a possibility that they still, I think that this draft, I think that we're going to see a lot of best player available because I do think that this roster is stacked and that there, there's only a couple of questionable spots on this roster that that could be upgraded and I don't even know if that would be something those spots. I'm not sure that the team would consider moving a rookie into those starting positions. So especially when with uh, with Trey going out there, this being Trey's first season. And but I like Trey. The more I watched the the highlights and like uh, the more I watched some film on him, I just I really like his. Uh, he's he's more of kind of like a straight line speed guy. He doesn't have a ton of bend, but he's still he's a he's like kind of a wrecker. He's more he's like a juiced up uh, uh, Ebicom almost. Ebicom mm -hmm. is a really good. I think he's a really good, and he really came on at the end of the season, especially in the during the playoffs. But but I think Ture has the, almost the same style. He's just faster, <laughs> and it's gonna be 
I just think that they want to create havoc and not knowing – making it so you can't prepare for whatever – they're ready for any style you want to run. Like, uh, so I, I'm really excited about the Terre signing. Well, you look at a like a turbo package or a NASCAR package, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. you could kick Bosa inside. You could kick a Minahu inside. You imagine you kick Bosa inside. You've got Ebicom next to him. You've got Armstead inside, and then you've got Terre. Like, yeah, I'll take that. Or you've got Willis. Or you've got a Minahu. Like, there's multiple options that you can run with, and. They're so deep along the defensive line that, yeah, if you draft a edge player of some sort, one of these guys is not making the team, but you're still not losing talent and or depth. So, yeah, I, I think that the 49ers are in a great position and, you know, maybe edge is, is a way that they go for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, like uh, just like you were saying, I think Amenahu, just because you brought him up, I think Amenahu has a chance to re- Amenahu, Ebicom, and uh, I think Willis. Jordan Willis is kind of tapped out. Like I think he's topped out at what he's. But I think those two guys specifically have an opportunity to re- have a second year under Kasurik and really flourish this season. And it's that's why I'm I'm kind of iffy on whether I think that they're going to get rid of Ebicom. I think that they the way he played towards the end of the season, the way he played in the playoffs, I just think that they would, I would think that you would want to see what's there. You've already got him signed. And yeah, if you need to free up cash, I could see it, uh, them cutting him for that reason. But, uh, but I, I kind of want to see what, what a full off season, a full other off season and OTAs and training camp looks like under Kasurik uh, with those guys. And uh, yeah, I, I just, and like, and we didn't even talk about Hurst. And and we haven't even touched on Kinlaw. Kinlaw has looked good in his rehab, is from what everybody's saying. He all we've seen him is run with rubber bands. So, <laughs> like, uh, but but I mean, the guy is if he gives them anything like uh, close to what a first rounder could give you, I mean, this defensive line could be monstrous. And it's I, I'm I'm excited to see it. Like, uh, but. The uh, so we got the draft a week and a half away. Draft season's my favorite time, favorite time of year. I'm a Madden freak, like, uh, and I love, I love the team building aspect of it. So the draft is my baby. And uh, with nine picks, how many players do you think that the 49ers actually are gonna take? And do you think the 49ers trade up from 61? I don't think the 49ers trade up, and I would say seven. They'll make seven picks, I think, that night. That's assuming that Jimmy or or Debo doesn't get traded that night for for other picks. But <laughs> if we just go with the nine picks that they have now, I would say that they make seven of those picks. They'll do some maneuvering, probably up, maybe from even 93. That's where I could see them moving up. I think 61, they're going to stand pat because I think that there's going to be a lot of good players at positions of need that are going to fall there. I think 93 is when they're going to get a little bit antsy and you could see them possibly move up because there's going to be a player there that they really, really want that may or may not fall to them just based off the board. So I could see them maybe move up into the mid eighties or so, but yeah, I I think that seven picks is about where they're, they're going to be. And and I'll go with 61 to stand pat. Yeah. I I'm hoping that they trade up. I, I really do. I look at a Jaquan, uh, Jaquan Brisker, and he has. I, I'm like, I'm really. I think he is re- within reach. And they, what I think they would need to give up for him, I thought. I think that they would be. I think that it would. It's entirely within the realm of possibility. I do think. I've been thinking this whole off season that they were going to trade Greenlaw, and I think that they may. I think that, and this is entirely entirely hypothetical but i think greenlaw and the third from next year because they're they're slated to have 11 picks next year with the comp picks and you give that greenlaw a third and 61 for to move up to maybe 40 or 39 to get jaquan brisker and i think that that would be a they could i think jaquan brisker could start day one next to jimmy ward and I think that he would be a real, I think he would be an upgrade, honestly, over Tart. Uh, just some youth and 
some playmaking ability. And I just, I, I really like Jaquan Brisker. So, but I could totally see them staying at 61. I could see them honestly uh, trading down from 61 because there's some players, there's some players uh, at like six that are going to go in that 65, 66 range that, that are really, that are, I mean, there's a lot of good players in that realm, just like you were talking about. Um, but, but who do you think that they could, what are a couple of players that you think they could target at 61? Yeah, I, I think a couple of names that you've heard quite a bit. Nick Cross is certainly a guy I could possibly see a Kirby Joseph, maybe um, if they go edge, Nick Benito's a guy, Boye Mafe. Uh, there's going to be guys there. And that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I just think that there's going to be multiple guys to choose from. And it comes down to what they like. I mean, I personally, I'm not a, a big Kirby Joseph guy, but yeah. he's got the numbers to kind of back it up. People say he's got a lot of speed. I watch him on film and I'm, kind of question that game speed a little bit. I, I don't personally see it, but there are certainly names that, that could be there for sure. Nick cross. I, I want to, I actually finally just got film of cross. And so I think I'm going to watch him for my Patreon. Brisker is a guy that the only, the only film that I watch, I was actually watching. Uh, he's the Penn state guy, right? Yes. Penn state. state. Okay. So I was actually watching Ebiketti and I, I did a write-up for him. This was about two months ago for, for all 49ers SI. And in that write-up, I say that there were times where my eyes would drift from Ebiketti, as good of an athlete as he is. Mm. When they were drifting, they were drifting to Brisker, and I didn't know who Brisker was at that moment. And now, over the last couple of weeks, I've just heard his name over and over and over, and I'm like, I guarantee that's the safety that I kept. My eyes just kept going to him. and and if you go back and watch that video, it's, it is on my, my Patreon. I believe I, I say it, I'm like, God, who's the safety? Like this guy's good. And so, yeah, anyways, I, I don't know, like I'm cool with standing Pat. I just, when I look at it, Petrie or Brisker or, or cross, or even a couple of these other guys, I just, I don't think the difference is enough to give up a ton of capital to go up and get them. Now, if the 49ers fall in love with somebody and they feel like they got to make a move like that, I don't hate, by the way, trading Dre Gearinglaw a next year's third, which is the equivalent of trading a fourth round this year, the way that points work. I don't yeah. think that's that big of a deal. So if that's what it takes and Brisker's their guy or somebody else is their guy, go go and do it. Like Go make it happen and go get your guy. What I think could happen, and, and so when we talk about 93, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe they trade back from 61, four or five spots. They still get a guy like Cross. Then they use that pick that they got to move back four or five spots, package that with 93 to get up to like 88, let's say. And they go and get a guy like Marcus Jones or, um, you know, Brian Cook if they didn't go safety with that first pick because they went Benito or something like that. So to me, I just think that there's a lot of maneuverability, especially with those first two picks. And I'm excited to see it. You know, it, it it's a little bit of a bummer they don't have a first rounder, and and unless Debo gets traded, you're not going to end up with a first rounder or no shot of it. Um, so that's you know it'll be interesting to sit back and watch that night and do the the live draft party and whatnot. But I think also what's cool about the first round is as we get to the tail end, we're going to start to realize that, and this happens every year, there are guys that you expected to go round one that didn't. Right. Yeah. And then you watch day two and all of a sudden you're five, six picks in a day two and they're still sitting there and you're going, this guy should have been gone a long time ago, which is now pushing other players back. And all of a sudden you're looking at it going, wow, the 49ers are going to have a slew of players that can fall to them. Or if they really like a guy, they can trade up. I, I just love the anticipation, man. I agree with yeah. you. Draft time is so much fun. Yeah, for sure. And I did want to mention this question. Uh, from always faithful 24 seven. Do you guys think or believe the most important position to draft first is the center position? I'm torn between center and, uh, and safety. I think the safety is the biggest need for this team, but the, but the center position is absolutely a need because Mac, uh, because Mac is he, if he gets through this season, like uh, I would be shocked if he gets through this all the way through the season without getting hurt. The guy's just old at this point. So, 
it's uh and I and I thought he played really well for his age last last season, but I think that they do need to invigorate some youth and uh and at least get the heir apparent in there. Uh, I don't know how you felt about the the center spot. Oh, absolutely. But I look at that 105 spot and I think that there's some guys that could fall there. I think they yeah. might have their choice of a Donovan West or a Luke Fortner, those types of guys. Yeah. And I think that those guys would absolutely suffice. I don't think I don't think you need to go interior offensive line unless there's somebody absolutely elite in round two. I think they made a little bit of a mistake doing that last year with Banks. Not that Banks can't turn out to be a good player or whatever, but when I look at it, I just interior offensive line is one of those things that you can get in round three or round four and still come away with a really good player. And so when I look at it, that's two centers that I think easily could be there at 105. And if that's the case and I'm choosing between those two, I, Listen, if they went Nick Cross, Marcus Jones, and Fortner, Nick Cross, Marcus Jones, Donovan West, yeah. or Benito Cook in one of those centers, <laughs> they're winning this they draft. Win the they're draft. doing a hell yeah. of a job. Yeah. For so sure. I'm cool with it. Yeah. And I, I'm exact. I'm right there with you. Like uh, all the mocks that I've been doing is, is, is just like you said, it's getting, it's using those, those uh, late sixth and, and uh, late and the seventh rounder to kind of move up in key spots, just a couple of, just a couple of spots, just to go get a Marcus Jones. And uh, I think that they, I think that, of course, they drafted Diamador Lenore for to be that. I think that they drafted him to be that slot guy to take over for. But we don't really know. And I think that that I think that we're gonna know if they really have that much faith in him by what they do in this draft because. Marcus Marcus Jones is is right there at that 93 spot. It if they just moved up to like 88, 88, like you were saying, they could definitely get a Marcus Jones. And he may fall to us at 93 because you never know how the teams feel about his size. And uh, because he is only 5'8. So I, I just look at it like there is just there's just infinite possibilities. But like I do like Nick Cross. Uh, I think Croc was saying to, uh, today on the – I was listening to their show today, and he was saying that uh, Nick Cross has – he just kind of has stiff hips. It's kind of the biggest difference between him and, and like, a guy like Petrie or uh, Jaquan Brisker. His uh, his hips just are a little bit stiff, but he, he runs a 4-3. A so, I mean, you still have the speed to make up with whatever kind of mistakes that he makes, like uh, – but yeah, I like Marcus Jones in that 93 spot. I love Donovan West. Donovan West, I've been talking about since January. Mm. Uh, you can't even, you can't even uh, find a lot of, you couldn't find a lot of tape on him. But I had seen somebody mention mention him, and like, uh, so I started looking up. You couldn't even find like background or anything on the guy, and then you just all of a sudden people, his name just started popping up everywhere. And the more the more film I looked of, uh, at him, I just really think he has a whole ton of upside to be there for. And he's young. Uh, like, uh, I think that they could put him at guard, at right guard, and kind of solidify that spot and then make him uh, and then be the heir apparent for that, that center position and learn next to Mac. I, I really like Donovan West. And I like Fortner. I could see – I like Parham. Uh, that, guy, that guy's another guy that could be in that 60 – that 61 spot or 60, if you trade it down in that 66, 67 spot, uh, like that's another guy that could, they could totally go after, go trade down to get. So yeah, it's a, there's a lot there. What do you think about the, uh, like when you get down into those 134s and 172s, anybody that caught, catches your eye down there? Yeah, there's still a lot of talent that I think is going to be floating a around ton. there. Uh, I, I think there's two receivers that 134 spot that you could probably choose from. Uh, Ty, Tyquan Thornton from Baylor. I think Danny Gray from SMU. These are two guys that are six foot and taller, four three forty, low four three forties. These are our burners, right? And and when I look yeah. at the 49ers, that's the one thing they don't have is a, a pure straight line speed guy, somebody that can take the top off, and they're going to need that eventually for Trey's big arm. And so I think those guys could be there. I think if they don't go uh, a Marcus Jones early, they could go a Damari Mathis in that area from Pittsburgh, another nickel guy that, or 
should play nickel at the next level. Super speed again, four three guy. I, you know, there's there's a lot of talent in this draft, and it's crazy. If there's a year that I don't want a first round pick, if I had to choose a year recently, it'd be this year. But yeah. having this many picks is extremely important because I feel like the talent overall in this draft is higher than most and deeper than most. It just doesn't have that top heavy list of guys that you're like, oh, these guys are surefire top 10 picks or top five picks or what have you. But overall, there's a lot. Um, we we talked about offensive line. Well, there's an NDSU guy in Cordell uh, Volson. Yeah, Volson. From, yeah, the, the tackle. I think he'll yeah. be there around 172. Leon O'Neal Jr., not the highest on him, but I think he can fall in that 172 range. So I just I think that there's a lot of players, a lot of names, a lot of familiarity that as we go through this draft are, are going to fall, and the 49ers absolutely could pick up one or multiple of these guys. Yeah, and I look at, at like a, a guy from LSU, Cordell Flock. He yeah. can play inside or outside. He's real skinny, but he's only like 170 pounds. But uh, but he's like six one, and he's and he's got the speed. He fights. He fights at that uh, at the line, and I really like that guy. And I'm looking at a Noah Ellis out of Idaho, uh, mm-hmm. and actually, I, I another guy that I heard about through uh, that Locked On podcast. Uh, Noah Ellis, uh, Croc mentioned him, saying that he had heard through the grapevine that that this is a guy to look out for. So I'm looking at that guy around that 172, that 172 area and a guy that, and I know we talked in the spaces about this guy and I still don't really hear a lot about him. Everybody's enamored with Ezra Gray. I think I personally think that Ezra Gray is going to go undrafted. Not that he deserves it, but I think he's going to go, he's going to go undrafted. Uh, But Devontae Price, like out of FIU, I really like this guy and I don't want to compare him to Mostert because it's not a fair comparison, but it's he, they have the, almost the same running style and he just doesn't hit. He doesn't quite hit the hole like Mostert does, but once he, if he gets through into that second level, he's gone and you're not going to catch him. And he's another four, three guy. He's actually a bigger back. He's six, one, and I believe he's like what two ten somewhere around there, and he actually can catch the ball pretty well and block. So I, I just I really like a guy like that as a change of pace from Elijah Mitchell and even Trey uh, Trey Sermon. Um, but yeah, those and that's a guy I think that we could get at one eighty seven if they if they let him if they let it if they go down that far. He and honestly. Well. You probably I think, I think I think Ty Chandler might be there at 187. And I like so Ty another Chandler running too. back, another another speedy guy, a one cut and go guy, um, bigger. But I mean, I think he could take the pounding in the NFL. I listen. There's going to be a so lot much. of guys there. Yes. Yeah. Just so much, so many guys. And like it's funny that. that you say you're a Madden guy because the first I heard of Ty Chandler was uh, Madden. So not. Not this last year, but Madden 21, I, I played, you know, online franchises and Ty Chandler was a guy that I drafted and turned into like a superstar 97 overall, like whatever. And so that was the first I heard of him. And then, of course, you know, naturally you you watch guys like this as they're coming out and whatnot. And I mean, he's he's got the speed. He's got the the explosion. I just, you know, and, and he's going to be a guy that's probably there at 187. He probably really will be. And so. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I heard the 49ers actually met with him today or yes. are meeting with him. So, yeah, they did. And like, and I, I, I like Ty Chandler. Uh, he was a guy that, uh, that I had been mocking early on before I had found Devonte price. And, yeah. and uh, he's pro like, they've been, they've been looking at him to go in the two hundreds or early two hundreds, uh, late one nineties. But, uh, but, uh, and, but when I think that when they put people there, they inevitably, especially running backs, they kind of just fall. And uh, so he may even be a guy that falls out. I think there was a couple of guys last season that we thought were going to go late sixth, early seventh, like at Austin Watkins. Like I, I thought that he was going to go in the seventh, at least I thought he'd be drafted. <laughs> and he was, and a lot of guys just fell out and just didn't get drafted. So, I mean, a lot of these guys, especially down these, when we get into these 220s, 221, 
and 262, a lot of these guys probably aren't going to get drafted. They're just it, – it's possible. But uh, I did want to mention a guy, a uh, tackle from Connecticut, Ryan Vandemark, that, uh, mm-hmm. that I was looking at, and that he – He's a guy that they could get in the seventh, or maybe even goes undrafted. That they uh, that they could really take a look at. And Nate Landman, out of uh, Colorado, he's another. He's a hustle guy. He's just a hustle guy. Not a ton of athleticism, but I feel like when you're down that low, you want the guys with the intangible. If they pop off the screen with intangibles, you just take a take a take a take a flyer on the guy. And Matt Areza. The punter out of uh, mm. San Diego State. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard you talking about him in spaces. Yeah, I like the. I just I think that they need to. I I'm not a fan of uh, of the the fact that they they picked a punter in the fourth round uh, with uh, the punter that we got now. Uh, and Mitch I just Wichnowski. don't think. Yeah, which now and he's just not impressive, like to me as a punter, especially when you draft a guy that high. I think that they could probably. He's one of those guys that they could cut and start over. This guy, Areza, uh, he's got a foot. And uh, and then he's also, he can do kickoffs. So mm-hmm. I think that that might be a guy. Any guys you're looking in those later rounds? Yeah, well, here's here's an interesting name. Uh, 49er fans from the 90s will remember his dad, Derek Deese Jr. <laughs> tied in out of San Jose State. You know, yeah. that's that's somebody it'd be fun to to bring him in. Um, I also look at it and say that I look at another tight end, Cole Turner out of Nevada, but I also, Mr. Irrelevant will be a lot of fun. And if Jimmy's not going to be on this team, a kid that I really liked if he had come out last year and he decided not to, and his draft stock just plummeted, but I'll take him as a flyer and a third round guy is Brock Purdy, man. I, you know, I liked him a lot last year and I thought if he would have came out last year, he probably would have been a late third round, fourth round guy, potentially, and now he might go undrafted this year, but is a Mr. Irrelevant, if you want to take a flyer on a quarterback to to be Trey's backup for many years, take a take a flyer on a Brock Purdy. I'm I'm all about it. Or maybe that's where you take a defensive lineman and interior defensive lineman, a fat daddy, um, yeah. Davidson, um, DJ Davidson out of uh it's Arizona or Arizona State. That's a guy that I would yeah, look at. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. Yeah, I think that this I think more so than anything, this draft. What I've noticed is that athletes, like you've got athletes just up and down this draft. And I think it makes it so hard that you're you're watching the tape and a lot of these guys, you can see, you can make the excuse almost that, that you know, this guy, if he had better coaching, like, and I think Tyquan Thornton is one of the, you mentioned earlier, he's one of those guys that if he just got better quarterback play, that guy would have been a world beater. Because he he was blowing by guys on the tape I watched, and and he would always have to come back to the ball, and uh, I just think that if you put him with Trey's arm, I mean they could be off to the races, and it's it's just a lot of athle- it's just a lot of uh, a lot of athleticism out there this sh- these days, you know. Well, and, and the thing is, is that the 49ers also always I I get almost as excited when the draft ends and there's guys that. Y- names that you really thought should have been drafted you're like all right uh, who are they going to pick up like undrafted yeah. free agents who are they bringing in <laughs> and the Niners always bring in a name that I really really like and yeah. they do it that's where the Niners separate themselves they are not the best drafters they are not you know they're probably middle of the road when it comes to overall drafting but their development of players is top notch I mean top three in the league so when I look at it I get excited about some of those guys that are undrafted maybe some of those late round picks because I know that they're going to get the best out of those guys eventually. And those are the guys that may end up being really good players one day for the San Francisco 49ers. And so, yeah, I, I get excited about the whole thing, man. I really do. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Jesse, I really appreciate you coming on today. I had Absolutely. a great time talking 49er football uh, and I always have a good time uh, listening to your takes uh, in the spaces, but one more time, Tell them where they can find you and all your content because you got so much stuff going on <laughs> <laughs> that they got to know where it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mainly last second sports. That's the YouTube channel. Um, that's that's where you're going to find me the most. But I, I do write from time to time for all 49ers Sports Illustrated and then 
Twitter, Twitter is always fun. Although a lot of things are taken out of context there. You just, you get, you know, 200 characters or whatever it is um, at J nay underscore LSS. You can find me there. And uh, I, I had a lot of fun, Peter, this, this was great. I, I always enjoy chopping it up with you in spaces. It's funny because you and I take a lot of opposite stances in spaces um, or we'll, we'll talk about the same thing, but we look at it from a different angle. So I really exactly. do appreciate talking football with you. I, I always enjoy it in spaces. So no surprise that I had a, a good time here tonight as well. Yeah. And likewise, bro. Like uh, I think that's what makes those Twitter spaces and Twitter in general and social media. That's the best part about it is that, uh, is that you get to see all the different perspectives and it gets you thinking about some alternatives that may happen or may not happen, whatever the case is. But, uh, but I think it's all good banner, you know, and, uh, but I appreciate everybody that came in the chat today. Like uh, it, I, I, lo I loved this episode. Like I really had a good time. And, uh, but thank you guys all for watching, all for listening. Thank you. And you can catch this one on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube, of course. And then the audio version will be on Anchor, Google Pod, Apple Pod, and Spotify. So if you didn't get to watch the whole thing, you can always listen to it later on whenever you want. But thank you guys again. And as always, go Niners.